0: take your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Does anybody recognize Luke chapter 2? Okay, one of us does. Luke chapter 2. Let's start at the start, which is a good place to start. How many of you believe there's a God? Okay, that was good. That that was good right there. We've got to get that. Listen, that, that's where you start with, because if you don't have that, the Bible said he who comes to God must believe what? That he is, that he exists. So you've got to believe first that he exists. How I many of you believe he still speaks? How believe he still speaks today? That's yes. what so we're gonna talk about here. I love this wonderful story. Uh, I want you to do something for me. Do you we hear things so often over and over, and when we think Christmas story, we think of little children in their little bathrobes, that little manger, got a little plastic baby laid in it. If you're a big uppity church, you might steal somebody's live baby and stick it in there. You got little, little crete, you know, all that. That's what we think. If you're really uppity, you might have a live donkey on stage. We tried that a few years. The donkey's name was Amos. But by the time I'd get to good point in the sermon, he'd go. Oh, oh, oh. So we <laughs> we had to ditch Amos. But we had this little plastic thing about Let's hear it for the first time. This is one of the wildest, this is the most amazing story ever told. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. It came to pass in those days a decree went out from Caesar. All the world's gonna be registered. The census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. All went to be registered. Everybody had to go back to the city of his birth genealogy. Joseph went from Galilee, the city of Nazareth, into Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because his family was of the ancestry of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed or engaged wife who was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed. She brought forth her firstborn son, be delivered. He brought forth a firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there's no room in the inn. This is the craziest thing in all the world. You've heard this over and over, but you, do you understand the scandal? and the? I'm not a Mary worshiper as some people are, but I'm going to tell you something. She's, number, she's at the top of my list. Nobody. I don't think anybody has suffered for God like this girl did, like this woman did through her and it went through her whole life. But you've got to understand something. We're, we're talking about a 17, 18, 19-year-old teenage girl raised in a little small conservative Jewish community. They went to synagogue. They, they were very strict back then. And she's just a humble little teenage girl. And all of a sudden, an angel comes to her terrified. I mean, it's the Bible. She was just terrified. And uh, and he gives her this message from God I mean, she was just like our teenage girls here, just you know, trying to go to school, doing her thing. And God sends this message and says, you're going to get pregnant. And she said, I, no man's ever touched me, Lord. He said, it's not going to be a man. He said, it's going to be the spirit of God. And you're going to be pregnant. And the child in you is going to be the son of God. Amen. Now you just put that on a 17 year old girl today. Eight, I mean, just, she She's stunned. And, and, you know, and and she, she, the Bible said she believed him, but what was going on on the other side of her mind? What is this going to do to my, what is this going to do to my life? What's this going to do to my community? What's this going to do to my parents? You you, You just don't understand what happened today in our culture. If a girl gets pregnant before she's married, that's no big deal. You don't do that back then. I mean, you are absolutely despised. I mean, none of your friends will speak to you anymore. Their parents absolutely hate you. They, you're called it. 30 years later, the preachers were still criticizing her, calling her a woman of fornication, John chapter 12. 30-some years later, she bore this all her life. And she's engaged to the most wonderful guy. So she goes and tells him, I'm pregnant. And now you could imagine, I mean, it's just rock. He's just a 20, 21 year old carpenter. He's not a theologian. They didn't have a Bible. They didn't know what was going on. This absolutely dumps his world upside down. He didn't believe her, did he? he and she said, God did it. God told me this was going to happen. It's up the Holy Spirit. He didn't believe that part because the Bible said he was going to put her away and send her out of the country. But an angel appeared to him and said, she's telling the truth. And you take this woman. She's going to be your wife. You look after her. This is God. And the two of you are going to raise God's child. Well, you're a 21-year-old kid with no college education, just trying to make a living. And imagine what he thought about when he laid down at night. And uh, you got to remember now, they're absolutely shunned in their culture. Nobody will speak to him anymore. Well, they, you know, this is slow. It takes nine months. We're nine months down the road now. And her world, she's out of school. She's kicked out of the synagogue. Her family has been kicked out of the church in shame and disgrace. They can't go anywhere. And they're trying to walk this out day to day. Well, their whole lives have been upended. All of a sudden it's time, you know, she's a week or two away from delivery. She's, she's nine months pregnant, very uncomfortable. And this crazy Caesar Decides everybody on the planet's got to go back to the family birthplace lineage home and sign and register. Great. You're going to move the whole world, which means that at nine months pregnant due to deliver, she's got to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem because he was a direct descendant of King David. Well, that's 90 miles. That don't sound like much to you in a Ford or Chevrolet, but... You got to remember something. There's this rough terrain. There's, we got this little in our picture. She's on a donkey. There's no donkey in the Bible. She walked every step for 90 miles. 90 miles, nine months pregnant, four, five, six day journey, where'd they stay at night? I mean, you don't. You didn't have a trunk full of stuff. You might have had a bag of food, maybe a couple, of, maybe a blanket. At night, they just laid on the side of the road. Any of you girls ever nine months pregnant? Finally, four or five days of walking all day long at nine months pregnant, and they're by themselves. Nobody else will be around them. They get to the town. Finally, this poor girl's gonna get some relief. Joseph goes to the door and asks the innkeepers, I'm sorry, we, you know we're full. The census, everybody's here. There's no place for you. What are you gonna do now? He had the money, but there's no place. He says, The only thing I can tell you is that, that I've got my barn out back there. Uh, I'm sorry, it's better than nothing. So he he's, he gets her by the elbow. They go back to this barn. Y'all ever been in a stall in a barn? I've got a barn. It's just it's nasty. Nice. It's filthy. There's dust half inch thick on the wood walls, boards, just filthy manure. And she goes back there and she's in labor, and she lays down on that dirt, and delivers this baby. And no midwife, just Joseph. No. Not only were the clean sheets, weren't sheets at all. She just lays down in the dirt there. Has this baby. He's trying to help his wife. This baby's born. She's scared She's scared uh, to death. She's just a teenager. This baby's born. He just th- he throws the- what he's got around this baby. He needs to help his wife. So he just puts the baby in the feed trough. Just puts the baby over there. He's trying to help his wife. Boy, that song that says this is a crazy way, this is a strange way to win the world was right, wasn't it? And this is going on. And it's just, I me think maybe that the creator of the universe could have got a room to put his son in. There's a prophetic message there. My son will visit the earth and the world won't let him in. There won't be room for him. So this is going on. Now you got to remember, uh, business is taking place, politics taking place. Nobody knows what's going on in this barn. And besides, who cares that some little teenage tramp got pregnant and had to have that baby in a barn? Nobody knows what God's doing in the earth right now. But you know, the world history changed that night. Everything changed. My history changed that night. Your history changed that night. And while this is going on, something else is going on. Verse 8, they were in the same country, shepherds. They're, they're living out in the fields. They're watching their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord stood before them and. <clears throat> Not only did an angel stand in front of them, the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Not only did an angel just appear in front of them, do you know what that means? The glory of God was there. You, you just, the glory of God's the, I don't know how to describe it. It's just the overwhelming knock you down presence of God. It Wasn't just the angel, the angel appeared before, but the angel and the presence of God and they're just terrified. And uh, so the angel gonna talk to them here. <laughs> An angel speaks and then the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings, of great joy, which to be to all people. There's born to you this day in the city of David, a savior, Christ the Lord. And I'm going to tell you how to find him. So this angel is a messenger. A messenger from who? This angel brings a message from God. And he says, I've got a message from God for you. And I'm going to give you the message from God. Now, let me just stop right here. I don't know what you know about God. I don't know, you know what kind of background you had growing up or where you came from. But um, if, if somebody were to sit down and say, you know, I don't know anything about this God stuff. I've, I've heard of it. I've seen your churches. I've seen the cross. But I don't know anything about this God stuff. I understand that you're a follower. Do you know him? And, and you would say, yeah, I know him. I follow him. And that, what if they were to say, well, what's he like? What would you tell them? How would you describe God the way you know him? Now, you've got to remember, these shepherds were not Christians. Guess why? There were none yet. They didn't know the New Testament. Guess why? Wasn't written yet. An angel shows up, scares you spitless and says, I've brought a message from God to you. Let me... Let me go off just a, mes- just a minute here. Uh, indulge me. There was a time in my life before I got to know him, if an angel would have showed up or even a, somebody that I trusted would have showed up and said, I have a message from God for you. And I thought they were telling the truth. Guess what I thought it had been? You're in trouble. He's mad at you. I, I would have not wanted to hear it. I didn't want to be around him. I didn't, I didn't even want the angel to be near me. You say, what kind of terrible person are you that you wouldn't want to be around God? Bear with me just a minute here. Everybody's got to go with what they know. Everybody goes with what they've been taught, all right? I'm a young man, and I didn't want to go to church, but I had a drug problem as a child. I had a drug problem as a teenager. Started out with pot. Started out as a child because my mama drug me to church all the time. <laughs> My mom was, she believed in God and she drugged me to church. I didn't have to go all the time, but she drugged me a lot. My mom was the first woman to ever be invited to be a Baptist preacher in a Southern Baptist church. But she chose to focus on one heathen for for her entire mission work. But my mama would drag me to church. So I'd go to church. And even as a teenager, I'd go to church, but I was getting, I was in trouble. You know, I I think I've told you, I was arrested the first time when I was in the seventh grade and I was sort of a troubled child, but they dragged me to church. All right, I'd go to church. And uh, here's what I knew about church. When you go in, you better not smile. <laughs> not this church, but the church I went into. Now, listen, I'm going I'm I'm, to I'm be a little bit cute, but I'm appealing to you for the rest of the world. Yeah. I go in this church and you better not smile because everybody in there is mad. They were. They were all very stern. And I'm, you dare not make You better not twitch because you had to be stiff in church. All right you go and you sit down and there were wooden pews back then. And then a group of men and women came in and the men were wearing dresses. You say, those are choir robes. I didn't know that. I just see men in matching dresses. And they were ugly. Shiny matching dresses. And they were mad about it. I could tell by looking. And so they get up there and there's a lady, there's a, it's an organ. You don't know what an organ is? If you go to hell, they play organ music forever. She's the organ sitting over here. And she's mad at the whole world and she's taking it out on that organ. She was. Sort of a cross between Bella Lugosi and the ghost and Mr. Chicken. She's playing that organ. I'm, I'm serious. This is what I see. My little teenage mind, I'm just, my mama makes me go. Now stay with me. I'm going to make a point here. And then after they get done singing mad, he say, how do you know they was mad? I know when people are mad by looking at them. They were mad. She was mad. And then this overweight guy got up in a suit that was too small for him and he was really mad. And he fussed at us for a half hour and told us how bad we were and hollered and carried on. And I'm sitting there. And see, so you can't move. And nobody moves. Um, they made you stand up and sing those mad songs. You had to hold her book, him book. And you stand up and hold this book. And you couldn't... I mean, if you'd have twisted, it had been an out-of-body experience. You couldn't do nothing in there. He fussed. And then, and listen to this, listen to this. Then they charged you for it. Well, you didn't have an option. You couldn't put it in coming in and out. They stuck it right in front of you. You had to pay. Put the... Box right in front of you there. All right, so that was what I was drugged to when I was drugged to church. Guess what I think about God? This is what the world thinks about your God. That's what I. Th- I mean, here's what I think about Him. And just to be very honest with Him. I'm just a teenage boy. I'm clueless. I don't know Him. And uh, let me tell you what I thought about Him. Number one, He's angry with me. He is really mad at me. Why wouldn't I think that? The preacher's mad. And if the preacher's mad, surely God's mad because he kept talking about all the bad things I'd done and everything he named, I did. Smoked, drank, cussed, listened to Led Zeppelin. I mean, you name it, I did it. And every one of them was bad. You know, if you're bad, he's mad. I was serious. I thought God was just angry with me. I was just glad he hadn't killed me yet. I knew it was coming. You know, I knew it was coming. Then people in that church told me. Told me, you're gonna go to hell one day. You call this good news of great joy? All right, I thought he was angry. Number two, please forgive me. I'm just telling you the truth. I thought God was the boringest thing on earth. What's the boringest place on earth? Back then. It wasn't near as fun as every place else I went. Church bored me to tears. But if you fell awake, I mean, if you fell asleep, you, don't, you need to fall awake. <laughs> if you fell asleep, mom would reach over and get you by the hanging down part and then you'd really be hurting. But if you made a noise... God forbid, make a noise in that place. I thought he was the boringest person on earth. Boring church? Come on, boring church? That's what I thought. I'm not saying, I know I'm wrong, but I'm just, this is my little mind. And I'm thinking this is the boringest stuff on earth. And I I just wanted to holler out loud, y'all pay for this? Why do you do this? You know why we went? You know why you had to go? Because that mad guy up there said you had to. Or the guy upstairs will be even madder if you don't go. Just running out of stuff to be mad about now. Number three, I thought God was the great cosmic killjoy. I thought everything I liked, he's against. You did. I liked to smoke. He said, you can't smoke. And uh, is bad. He's against smoking. He was against rock music. I love rock music. Since I was a little fellow, I love rock music. I started to say I still do, but I probably shouldn't say that in here. <laughs> he was against drinking. I like drinking. He was against romance. I was all about romance. He was against everything I enjoyed. I just thought that his job was to make sure I didn't enjoy my life. I'm just being honest. Just what I thought. And then let me throw one more in there. I thought he was the most demanding person in the world. I thought, who could could keep up with your demands? By the time they got done telling you everything you're supposed to do, I'd forgot the first one. I mean, love your neighbor, love your enemy, forgive those who hate you, give you money, help old ladies across the street, light your world. I couldn't keep up with all this stuff. And I just thought, <clears throat> that's what I thought. And they shut, these angels show up and these poor guys, I'm just wondering about it. But let me tell you what happened. A, a funny thing happened on the road to hell. After, and I, this is how I thought for years because of my experience in church. A funny thing happened on the road to hell. I met the man personally. Guess what I found out? I don't mean to be unkind, but I'm going to tell you something. That church was wrong. He's not like that. He's not even close to that. And thats I said all that to say this. When I read verse 10 in that Bible... I just said, you have got to be kidding. Now remember, guys, I'm not, I'm not theologically trained. I just, I believe it like it's written. I read verse 10 and I just said, you have got to be kidding me. An angel appears and he's got a message from God and, and the message, this is not the message. This is just sort of telling you what it's like. He's got a message from God and he said, uh, but let's look at verse 10. Then the angel said to him, don't be afraid. I bring you, now it's from God. What did he say the message would be? Tidings means news, good news. What does it mean great joy? What God tells you is going to make you real happy. I just said, I'd have never believed that. But doing I'm going to tell you something. The Bible's true and the Bible's right. If you ever hear the voice of God, it'll be good news. And tell me the effect it'll have on you. If God speaks, it'll be good news. Tell me the effect it'll have on you. It'll bring you great joy. And I thought, well... For number one, I want to hear what he's got to say. But before I hear what he's got to say, he needs to go down to that church and tell them something. Because yeah. they could use some great joy down there because they ain't got none. And I never, heard good, I never heard good news anytime I went to church. All I ever heard was bad news. And it brought me great consternation. That wasn't right. That's not the message. That's just what it's going to be. Have you ever had anybody come to you and say, I got good news for you? You ever had that happen? I've got, well, I've got good news for you. Since nobody's ever done it to you before, listen to me carefully. Let's go deep. When somebody says, I've got good news, guess what you expect? Bingo. When God says, I've got a message for you and it's going to make you real happy, I expect it to be good. I expect it to be good. Now that's not the message. Here's the message. He said, you'll find a baby. Here's how you'll find the right baby. He'll be laying in a feed trough. That should narrow it down. Verse 13 Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. That means a lot of the heavenly, a lot of angels, they're praising God. Now, guys, verse 14 is the message. Verse 14 is the message from God to you. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. What's the message? Now, you got it? Glory to God up there. Well, what's the message to earth? What's God's message to the earth? Two words, peace. What's the other one? Goodwill. Goodwill. Here's the twofold message from God, from the Bible. And I'm I'm going to tell you something. Not only do I know the Bible, I know the man now. And I'm telling you, if God spoke to you, he'd say two things to you. Number one, peace. What does that mean? I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset with you. I'm not your enemy. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want to judge you. I don't want to hurt you. I'm reaching out. We know what peace means? It literally, the phrase is, I want peace. I want to be a father to you. I want to be a friend to you. I want you to be a son or a daughter. Where did the peace come from? Guess, guess why you say, after all I did and he wants to be a friend to me, where did the peace come from? Jesus Christ tore down the wall between me and him. I have peace with God because of what Jesus did. Perhaps the greatest verse in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 8 9 says this, you know the kindness of God, that though you were poor, For your sakes, Jesus became, though you were poor, though Jesus were rich, for your sakes, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus became the enemy of God so I could be the friend of God. Jesus bore my sin and he's reaching out to me, peace. He said, I I want a relationship with you. God didn't make me to work for him. If he did, he got ripped off. An angel could have done better. Than all of us put together. God made me to be a father to me. Second Corinthians chapter six says this, I want to be a father to you. And I want you to be sons and daughters to me. And the Bible said that, that the, the goodness, the peace that he, that he stretches out. But dear ones, it's not just, the, you don't just say I want peace between us. Okay, we got peace now. You go your way, I go my way. Go on. That's not it. What's the goodwill mean? This is the greatest change of thinking of my life ever when I got to know him, even after a preacher. See, I was, I was heard and I, was, I heard and I was taught that this is what you, God wants you to do for him. This is what we do for God. We serve the Lord. This is what God wants you to do for him. What does it mean, goodwill toward men? This, people choke on this, but I'm gonna say it. It's not about what you do for God. It's about what he does for you. What does it mean good to you? God wants to be, I'm going to put it in simple terms. God says, I want peace with you and I want to be good to you if you'll let me. It's called grace. It's the kindness of God. He he wasn't mad at me. He didn't. God didn't even, you know, looking back now, God didn't even go to their church. If I'd have known, if I'd have known this stuff, I could have told my mama, I don't want to go to church. If God don't have to go, I shouldn't have to. He's as bored as I am with it. He don't understand why they're mad any more than I do. I think he sits on the throne and says, Gabriel, what are they doing? I throw that in for free. (laughs) Dear ones, I want to be good to you. I did not have my children so they'd work for me. I had my children to be a father to them so I could be good to them. That's the heart of a father. And I'm going to take all, everything the Bible says, I'm going to put it down in four. I'm just going to put it in four simple things that the Bible says are the message that I want to be good to you. Dear ones, God is speaking to every person. Here's what he says. And this is always the starting point. I'm not asking. Now, I I do want to, I do have to say this. I'll make a disclaimer. He has made me give some things up. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. See there? I knew he was a cosmic killjoy. He's going to make you give some things up. He has made me give some things up. I can't get drunk anymore. Dang. Which means what? I can't spend all night throwing up in the bathroom anymore. I don't lay on the bathroom floor at night anymore. I lay in the bed like a normal human being. I don't wake up on Saturday morning with no money, not knowing where it went. I don't make an absolute fool out of myself drunk. Yep, he took all that away from me. Let me tell you what I know now is that old man looking back, He never took anything away from me that I shouldn't have said, thank you. He has taken some things away from me. The pain, the idiocy, the misery, the stupidity. Yep, he took some things away from me. All right, I just want to point out he did take a few things away. But listen to this, I want to be good to you. God said to me, I want to put my spirit inside of you. That's always the message of Christmas. It's always a heart issue, dear ones. I want to put my spirit inside of you. It's not about going to church. It's not about enduring horrible music. It's about God himself, his presence coming right here. And when his presence comes right here, dear ones, two things happen. This heart is healed and this heart is filled. There's not a person in this room that isn't suffering at heart level. Every human being that's ever been born suffers at heart level. And it's different for everybody, but there's not a person that doesn't suffer at heart's level. The heart is wounded. Jesus said, I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. The heart is wounded. Some hearts are hard. My heart was so hard. I was the meanest thing that walked in my community because of the way I'd lived and some things that happened. I was just hard-hearted and mean. All I want to do is fight. Well, you know, you can tell a guy like, you can tell somebody like me, guidance counselor's principal said, you have got to quit doing that. Tell a, tell, tell a baby to quit crying, a duck to quit cracking, and a dog to quit barking. Just telling them don't help it, that's there. It's like telling a poodle not to be snotty. It ain't going to help a bit. It's just not going to help. I didn't need to be told what to do. I needed help. And God said, I will take the hard heart out of you. And I'll put a tender heart in you and I'll put my spirit in you. And God's desire is to heal the wounded heart, the rejected heart, the broken heart, the angry heart, the prejudiced heart, the miserable heart, the empty heart, to take that away. And and, uh, I know this is going to sound crazy. What's the first thing God does for people when they come to him, when they receive the son of God, the spirit of God comes in and takes that garbage out of your heart, but he don't leave it empty. He puts his spirit in there. Tell me what happens when the spirit of God comes in his heart. You don't become religious. Matter of fact, you'll become rather, you'll become a smart aleck toward religion. God puts his love in your heart for people and for him. Causes you to just love Jesus passionately. Causes you to love yourself properly. Instead of hating yourself and despising yourself, you begin to appreciate what God gave you. Causes you to have the peace of God inside of you. Instead of being torn up, you have the peace in there. And I'm gonna use a word here. I I know this bothers people, but I'm gonna say it. The joy of God is put inside of us by his spirit. I, I hate to keep using the word "enjoy" in church. In his presence is fullness of joy. I, I just never understood. Because, you know, when I got, finally got saved, I was 18 years old, finally got saved. And, and I just was so excited about Jesus and so glad to be alive, like the weight of the world had lifted off of me. And I was just so happy. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm a child of the living God. It's just, And I, I wasn't trying to do better. It was down here. There was a joy in here. And, uh, you know, I, I, I finally got over it and, and grew up and became material like they were. The Spirit of God, he puts joy in your heart. He puts hope back in there. God puts something. what could you give him? He don't need anything from you. He owns heaven and earth. Heaven is his throne, Earth is his footstool. you going to give him a pocket knife. What do you got that he needs? You need what he's got. You need his spirit in your heart to put life inside of there. it's not about hearing about him. you've got to know him personally. And the gift of God is not just that Jesus came to earth, he'll come into your heart and you'll know he's in there and something will change in that heart. Secondly, the Bible said this, I'm gonna bring you into relationship. Our relationships are torn all to pieces in this land and even the good ones struggle. There's nothing sweeter than relationship. There's nothing, dear ones, God Almighty who created marriage wants people to learn to love one another. and enjoy, let, I'm gonna use this word again. You should enjoy marriage. I get three amens out of that. This many people in this house. God don't just hang around the church on Sunday. He's the God of all of life. You you can't, just because you put on a dress and sing in the choir, you hadn't made him happy. You made him laugh. God belongs in our lives, he belongs in our marriages, our businesses, our recreation. He belongs in everything. I, I hate to tell y'all this. He is not religious. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. God, will get killed. He's not religious. He's normal. He's wonderful. He came. He didn't come to make you religious. Would you take the man's word for it? If I told him, would you take the man's word for it? I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm going to put my spirit in your heart. I want you to have an abundant marriage. I want you to have a great marriage. God builds great marriages. God builds great families, God builds great friends. God puts people in relationship so that we delight to be around people like. God restores relationships and, and you just enjoy it. That's what we're here for. That's what life is. It's not about how big your car is. It's how big your heart is. It's about God putting life in your heart. And the scripture says he brings you into relationship, and, he, and he's done that. I'm going to make an announcement. This, this, I know this is off the wall this morning. Guess why he tells us to go to church? Okay, I know this is crazy. He wants you to enjoy the music. I know that sound. That, y'all didn't come from where I came from. But we'd go in there and then men in them dresses, they'd stand in bed sing, hmm, the Lord is in his holy temple. Lord's in his holy temple. Let all the keep silent for him. Home. And I'd go, Dang, you make a noise, he'll kill you. <laughs> I read that Bible. You're to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, with loud cymbals, resounding cymbals, and with dancing before the Lord. I mean, why are they dancing at brew balls? They're going to fall over and go to hell. I'm going to live forever. I ought to be the one dancing. He wants you to enjoy church. He wants you to hear him speak. Preaching should not be about real jeroboam and all the bull boys. They all speak to you. And guess why he makes you come around these people? He wants you to enjoy them. These should be the dearest people on earth to you. He builds relationships. That's why he puts the lonely in a family like that. He wants you to enjoy life. Number three, God wants to prosper you in everything. He's the God of prosperity. I'm not talking about Ferrari prosperity. Don't get a Ferrari. You can't afford to fix it if it breaks. (laughs) Listen, it's... How many of you understand it's not what you own? There are some things money can't buy. There are some things money cannot buy. I promise you, me walking through the woods with God, listening to him speak and enjoy him in the woods is a whole lot more fun than me trying to cram my six foot two up and pack it in a little Italian car. There's some things money just cannot buy and he he prospers us in every area of life. I, I know this is crazy. Dear ones, God is the God of life. I came that you might have life. And it's not, okay, I'm fixing to go off the deep end here. It, it's not about just go to church. Let's go to church and get our God stuff out of the way so we can go live. He is life. He's everything there is in life. How many of you believe he created music? Yes. Y'all didn't know that? Yes. He created music. Guess why? Oh, so we could be stiff and sing, the Lord's in his holy temple. He created all me. Listen, everything the devil's got, He stole. He created music. That's why I love, I just enjoy music. Guess why he gave it to me? Are not you ready? I don't listen to gospel music all the time. I love music. I love, I love the old hymns like, Daddy had a heart like a nine pound hammer. He even said he did some time in the slammer. What was I thinking? I just, I just enjoy music. Reminds my son-in-law of me. God created everything to be enjoyed out there. He created fish. Because he likes me. I don't just sit around and read the Bible all the time. I don't have a spiritual life and then an unspiritual life. I have a life that Jesus gave. And there's about one of the holiest things I do is go fishing. Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. Go ye to the sea, throw in a hook and take the fish that comes up. I've got to do what the man says. He's the God of life. I hate to tell you, those of you that chew that tree bark and you're on that diet mess and all that, God bless you. He created sausage and egg biscuits so I could enjoy them. And the Bible says you bless them and have a big time with them. He could have just created hay and we could all eat hay and stand out like a bunch of horses and eat hay. Why do you think he created sausage? Eat your brand and be miserable if you want to. (laughs) I heard that. Well, I'm going to live longer than you are. Who wants to live if you're that miserable? Get you a biscuit and enjoy your life. He created racing. I'm not sure about the ballet, but I know he created racing. Here's my point. He created families sitting around the table laughing and loving with each other. God's all in that stuff. I've come that you might have life. I, th- I thought you went to church and got your miserable God stuff out of the way so you could go live your life. Nothing could be further from the truth. He created the outdoors. When I get up in the morning, I watch the sunrise come up there. Then sings my soul, how great thou art. He's the one who created that. When I see a little child run up to me and they're smiling, they hug my leg. That's God right there. He created every, the Bible said he created every good gift comes from the father of lights. All right, we're on the edge. Let's just go completely over the cliff. You ready? You don't have the nerve. You ready? God created sex. Well, I can't get an amen out of that. I heard all them silent hallelujahs. Okay, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking it was for procreation. It was for fun, dude. You, Amen. Praise God. I want to ask you a question. Go back with me. What did the angel say? I bring you good news of... You're hearing good news this morning. It's not just about, okay, okay, I, okay. Okay. He is the author of life. What is the message of God to earth? Behold, I bring you good news that'll make you real happy. Peace, I want to do good for you. I want to be good to you. I bring good news of great joy, goodwill toward men. God created you to be good to you. Do you really, what kind of pervert would create people so he could hurt them? so he could judge him. them. I don't think he knew how screwed up I was. Before your mama ever met your daddy, he knew everything you'd ever do, created you and loved you any way to redeem you. The days of my life in your book, they were written before you knit me in my mother's womb. He's hoping for a relationship to be good to you. I could go on. He made pickup trucks too, by the way. <laughs> Old ones, <laughs> loud ones with big tires. Here's the point. The message of of Jesus coming to this earth is so God could shout and say, the preachers are wrong back then. Who nailed him to the cross for this great message? Some of the preachers nailed him to the cross for the message of life and hope. They're still doing it, I think, sometimes. The message of God is, I'm not mad at you. I want peace. I want to be good to you. In every area of life, he wants to make every part of life good. Good. Oh my goodness. Thank God Thank God! I got out of church and bought me a Bible. Yes. Truth of the matter is I learned as a young man, now not now, back when I was younger, I learned more about God sitting in a deer stand watching what he created than I did sitting in the church watching them neurotic folks. You see, you're being ugly. You got that right. <laughs> Let me throw in one more. God didn't create me to just monkey around till I fell over. You know why so many people today are so, even when they're successful, something's not right on the inside, you were not created to do what you want to do. You were created with a purpose and you were created with a vision and a plan. I know the plans I have for you. But there was, we've been, we were created with a purpose. He wants to give your life purpose and meaning. And you say, well, you know, I, want to, I want to be at the top. How many people are at the top and find out they lean their ladder against the wrong wall? How many miserable millionaires are there today that found out money cannot make you happy? Or success, so big deal, you got the corner office. I got a corner office, big whoop, that's nothing. Let me tell you something. It is finding what God wants you doing in the earth. And listen to this. Oh, fine, fine, I'll do what he says. I'll, (laughs) I'll be a missionary to Tibet and give tetanus shots to pygmies, don't matter, fine by me. Bless the poor pygmies with that stinking attitude coming over there. No, if you don't want to give tetanus shots to pygmies, then he hadn't called you to do it. If he called you to give tetanus shots to pygmies, you couldn't wait to grab them. Here's how you find the will of God for your life. Tell me what you'd rather do with your heart more than anything else. That's God talking. You said, so where do you get that from? This book right here. Listen to it. You ready? I delight to do your will. And your law is written on my heart. I, can, I told you, I got saved. I finally did meet Jesus. And I, I found that one of the first things I ever told him is you ain't nothing like them people of yours. They're lying about you. You need to go talk to them. And then I'm saved. I'm thrilled. Praise God. Well, see, now that I've met Jesus, I'm following Jesus. I can't be a criminal anymore. That was an easy and right. Y'all should have got that. Can't be a criminal anymore. You know, I can't. I can't do that stuff anymore. So now, guess what I'm going to do now? I say, okay, I'm going to be a highway patrolman. Because it's about the same thing. It's just legal. You get to drive like an idiot. You get to carry a gun. You get to fight people. You get to shoot. It's all legal. So I'm going to be a highway patrolman because that suits my personality. And I'm thinking, praise this is, God, you're so good. If I'd have only known you were like this, I'd have followed you earlier. So I'm going to be a highway patrolman. I just can't gotta drive fast. Have the best time. Give tickets to old ladies and fight. It's going to be wonderful. I'm sort of that legalistic type anyway. It's just going to be great. So I started in school for the highway patrol there. And all of a sudden, I wasn't no time at all. And God being speak to my heart, I want you to be a preacher. I went into, I had to be medicated for depression. Said, you hate me. Well, I'm, I'm serious. I just thought, I'm serious. It just racked my world. I don't want to be a preacher. The fat guy in the tight suit who stands up front and tells people how bad they are. Yeah, everybody wants that. (laughs) Let me see now. I'm going to give up this gun and this sharp uniform and drive them fast so I can sit in a meeting with a bunch of crotchety old ladies and discuss fruit salad at the missionary meeting. Won't that be fun? Spend the rest of my life. Won't that be great? (laughs) Stand up in front of all them men wearing dresses and tell people how bad they are. Y'all bad, y'all bad, y'all bad. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Spend your whole life doing that. God have mercy. And I I just said, no. Well, you know what happens when you say no? He just says, go louder. And you can jack it up, but he'll jack it up higher than you will. And I thought, well, he's been good to me. At least I ain't going to hell. All right, I'll be a preacher. Fine. Here, take my gun. Take my nice car. Take my badge. Where's that tight polyester suit I got to wear now? Guess what I found out then? they lied again. You don't have to wear a polyester suit to be a preacher. You don't have to stand up and holler at people all the time tell them how, but you do have to holler. But you don't have to tell them how bad they are. And you don't have to put up with old ladies that are mad about the fruit salad either. You can tell them stick it in their ear if you want to. You know what I found out? They lied about the preaching too. Everything he does is good. It, listen, if you ever... If you ever ditch the religion and find the king, you'll say, ha, Yeah, right there's what I was looking for. What, what is the message? Listen, if he called me to preach and it's terrible, that's not good news. It brings great joy. That's bad news. It brings constipation. That is not good. And I've, I've had people say, What? You're not a preacher. You can't get up there and make people laugh like that. Take it up with the king. Dear ones, this is all I got. And this is, fire me. I don't give a rip. I'm having such fun now. We'll start over. Here's the point. The Lord is good. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. He has written his law on your heart. I'm talking with a little girl last week, teenage girl. I said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? And she's going go to go, she's in college. She's about to wrap up. She said, well, this, I think this is what I'm going to do. And I said, why are you going to do that? And she said, well, this is what I went to school for. I said, listen to somebody who has the wisdom of God's sweetheart. Don't spend 40 years doing what you don't want to do just because you thought you would. I said, you listen to me. God has written his law on your heart. Go do it. She said, her eyes lit up. She said, you know what I really want to do? And she's brilliant. She's smart. Top of class in college. She said, you know what I really want to do? She said, I want to be a mother and a, and a, a wife and a mother and have children. She said, my parents kill me. I said, let them kill you come alive again, start over. I said, listen to me, honey. God's put that in your heart. Now you may have a job, but if that's what God's put in your heart, if you become president of Wells Fargo, it won't bring you as much joy as them children nastying up your house. You do what God's put in your heart. And when you get to be an old woman, like I'm an old man, you'll look back and you'll say, God has been good to me. Follow the design of God in your heart because he is good. If we get over this thing that he is a cosmetic killjoy and realize he is good, that it's good news that brings great joy and I'm trying to be good to you, we would say, tell me. Just tell me what to do. Dear ones, if you ever see anybody that goes, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. Listen to me. You don't know him. If you know him, you would say, you just tell me what to do and see how fast I jump on it because I know how good you are. I know how good you are to me. And I want to do that. I got to quit. listen, let's do this. This is the message of God. Um, Do you notice I keep using the word enjoy? Y'all notice that? Let me ask you a personal question. Do you think I've enjoyed myself this morning? I get paid to do this. (laughs) I enjoy what I do. I enjoy my life. I love my sweetheart. I love my wife. I love walking through the front door. I I love that woman. I'm everything about her, buddy. I love my children. I love my life. I love my truck. I just, and God has given me this life. I love it. It's wonderful. It's not at all what I thought it'd be. Okay, let me tell you what, in honor of the season, I've decided I'm gonna write my own Christmas carol. I love Christmas carols. And I, I, you know, Hark to Herald Angels Sing, oh, number one, uh, Silent Night, Way to Manger, all them. I've decided, I've decided to write my own Christmas carol that captures the message of Christmas like no Christmas carol. I'm not done with it yet, but I do have the title. Here's the title I've come up with. Joy to the World. <laughs> the Lord has come. Friend, if you knew him and you knew who this man in this book was right here, you would know that day it is joy to the world when Jesus shows up. It's joy to my marriage. It's joy to my family. It's joy to my heart. Jesus is pure joy. All right, here's what we got to do. You've heard the voice of God this morning. You've heard God tell you that he is good, that he loves you, that he brings good news of great joy and he will be good to you, but got to make a decision. And there are two prophetic pictures in that passage we read. And every person in this room is going to be one of the two people in there. Every person on the earth was in that passage right there. You're either going to be the innkeeper who when God knocks on your door and says, can I have a place in here? You're going to say, I'm sorry. And say, no, you can't come in here. Maybe, dear ones, I love you. Maybe if you were trained and you were taught like I was taught in church, maybe that's why you closed the door. If you knew him, you'd swing the door wide open and so say, you can have the whole place. Or you're going to be like the shepherds who when God spoke to them, they said, let's go find this baby that God has shown us about. Let's go find him. And guess what they found? They they had to go find him, but guess what? They found him. Every person that looks for God will find him. Everybody looks for him will find him. If I thought it would help, I would get on my knees and beg you to follow God. Because I know what he'd do for you. When I see people walk away from him and say, I can do better than God can, I'm, I don't get mad at him. My God have mercy. I just think you're missing it. You're missing the greatest life possible. His arms reach out to the entire world. I don't care where you're at, where you've been, I don't care. You may be the screwedest, uppest person on earth. God's looking for you. He's calling to you. You you may be like me and be non-religious. I'm not very religious. You might still struggle with country music. Yes. yes, Let me make an announcement. Don't bother praying, I'm going to keep struggling. So Jesus gets, I mean, you can't take, but so much of men singing like women in Christian music. I got to have some man voices once in a while. You, you don't have to be, dear, listen to me. You don't have to be perfect. You have to be sincere. You don't have to be great. Yes, it has to be from the heart. You have to love the son of God. I'll make a deal with you. You love God, he'll take care of everything else. You love him in honor, take care of everything else. Let's, all right, it's time to pray, let's do it. Lord Jesus, we love you, praise you and thank you. I, how in the world did this great message of good news, of great joy, peace, I wanna be good. How did that message ever get polluted with religion like it has today? How did we ever get this thing so messed up? Oh, in Jesus' name, dear Holy Spirit, strip away the lies and the garbage and the junk that has defiled the precious message of God speaking from heaven. I'm trying to be good to you. I'm reaching out to you through my son. I thank you for every person in this room. I don't know where they're at. I don't know where they've come from. They may, they may have never heard of you or they may have been in church all their lives, but I pray and I beg you, let pierce their hearts with the message of the true Jesus. This is the goodness of God. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to come down here and help us. You didn't have to suffer like you did. You must have really wanted to be good to us to go through what you went through. And we'll never get over it. I pray, pray, listen, Lord, everybody in this room, I pray for everybody in this room that they get everything Jesus wants to give them. Everything, relationships, the presence of God in their lives, the Holy Spirit of God, the, the, everything. I pray for everything. Everything. Lord Jesus, there's no sense in you dying for something and people not getting all of it. I trust you for that. And now I ask you one more thing. Go through this room and speak to people's hearts that you don't control the door. You bring the message, but they control the door. And they can either open it and let you in their lives or they can, even if they do it graciously, they can close that door and say, I, I can't let you in here. You're not coming in here draw them to yourself this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. All right, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, friend, let me ask you a question. What are you gonna do with Jesus? You can't put him off. He is the fork in the road of your life. And he's spoken to you this morning. He's spoken to every person in here this morning. And you've got to either open the door of your life and say, come in. Come in, dear Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible, come in and take this life. Or you've got to close the door and tell him he'll have to go somewhere else. It's your time. If you want to open your life to Jesus, to the God of creation who loves you and has spoken to you, I want you right there where you're seated. There's no exact prayer. It's a heart issue. I want you to pray this with your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came to earth for me. I believe you died for me. I open my heart to you today and my life to you. Come in, dear Jesus. Today, you're my savior. You are my Savior today. You're my Lord today. You're the best friend I ever had from this day forward. I love you. I'm going to follow you. Teach me who you are and teach me how to walk with you. This is going to be an everyday thing with me for the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer this morning. I believe it. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. If you prayed that from an honest heart, I want you to raise your hand real high where I can see it. Set up real high. Thank you. Put all those down. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Thank you. Nothing matters on this planet. One day, all the politics and sports and business, all that stuff will be dust in the wind. Only what we did with you is eternal. Well, I pray for every person in this room that they might know the living God. Lord Jesus, you said this is eternal life to get to know God. I want them to know what you're like. I trust you for that. Thank you for hearing my prayer this morning for these people. I give you all the praise and glory. You are wonderful. And dear Lord Jesus, during this season, when we see the trees and the lights and the gift buying and the fudge and the hot chocolate and all that stuff, I pray we would just see God reaching out his hand to us saying, I want to be good to you. That's what it would be for this season for us. I trust you for that. You're more than wonderful. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, amen.